Welcome to the Point Us to Serve podcast series. We exist to encourage you toward a vibrant and active faith in Jesus Christ. For more information about the Point Us to Serve ministry, please visit our website at thepointistoserve.org. We now join Pastor Joel Fredrickson for this week's teaching. Well, good morning, everybody, from our sanctuary home office here. Uh, I thought I'd begin with a little bit of a health update since people are asking about these sorts of things. Uh, unfortunately, Tracy ended up getting COVID too, uh, which isn't really a surprise since she lives with me, uh, but she's on the mend as well. So be praying for her, be praying for everybody who's been affected by this whole thing. Uh, me personally, it's kind of the same as last week, honestly. Uh, I still have no sense of taste or smell. And uh, over the past week, I've learned that um, there's some positives and some negatives to that too. Uh, one of the negatives is that I don't know how I smell. So fortunately, I can get out and about now and, and be out in society, you know, taking the, the safety precautions that are necessary and all that sort of thing. Um, but if you happen to bump into me at the store or whatever, would you please tell me if I need to put on deodorant? All right, that would be very helpful. Thank you very much. Uh, but another thing that I found is actually quite pleasant is that it used to be that um, picking up dog poo in the backyard uh, was kind of a chore, and now it's kind of enjoyable. Um, enjoyable might be a, a too strong of a word. Maybe uh, it's not as terrible as it used to be. So there's some good and some bad things that come out of all of this. Uh, but anyways, enough about me. We're going to be talking about who God is. Uh, that's what we are looking at in our sermon series. We, we've looked at God being triune. Uh, we looked at God the Father. We looked at God the Son. And this coming month, we're going to be looking at God the Spirit. And this is just such an overwhelming topic because it's all throughout our scriptures. Uh, and not only that, but uh, it, it's, uh, you know, the Spirit continues to be alive and moving and well in our lives today. Um, so it's kind of a moving target. So where, where do you even begin uh, to talk about the Spirit. And so we're going to be looking particularly at areas of Scripture, what our Scriptures have to say about the Holy Spirit. And I thought this week it'd be good for us to look at the Holy Spirit um, as it's revealed in the Old Testament. Uh, yes, the Spirit is present throughout the Old Testament. We'll be looking at that today. Uh, but before we begin, I'd like to leave you with a little image. Uh, Tracy and I have these wonderful nieces and nephews on uh, her side of the family. And so we get together and, and these kids just love to play games. You know, like we do things like we'll wrap them up in a, a blanket, like they're a burrito and throw them into the oven, into this bedroom and all, all you know, those fun games that you play with kids. And, and I, you know, after all I give for them and all the nice things that I do for them, for some reason, I've always got a target on my back. Kids just love to pick on me. And so one day, one of the kids decided to refer to me as Grandma Octopus. I don't know where that came from, but they all thought it was so funny. And so for years now, I've been known as Grandma Octopus. So if you ever refer to me as Grandma Octopus, I'll probably actually respond to it. Um, now, honestly, that has nothing to do with the story. It, it's just a nice little aside, a little tidbit of information there that I thought you might enjoy. Uh, but what I want to say about it is that uh, when we gather together, one of the things these kids love to do is they love to build Legos. They, they love to play with these things called connects that are kind of like Legos. And at Tracy's parents' place, um, they've got this bin of connects. And, and when we pull this out, it's, it, it's just chaotic uh, cluster of different colors and shapes. 
and sizes of these little plastic bits. Uh, but when we sit down with them for a while and we, we open up the instruction manual and you work with them for a while, they start to form something, you know? Like all of a sudden this chaotic tub of nothingness is turning into a motorcycle or it's turning into a Ferris wheel or turning into a jet. And, and these even become toys that like move that you can actually play with and roll around on the floor and this sort of thing. The, the formlessness is formed into something. The chaos is made in, in, into an object. There's order brought out of it. So keep that image in mind. Uh, as I said, we'll look at the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. And the awesome thing is, in the very second verse of the Old Testament, we run into the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. Genesis uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. So God's Spirit is mentioned right away. And the Hebrew word for spirit is ruach. Say that word with me. Ruach. That's a good word to be wearing your mask when you say that, because you get your coronavirus everywhere if you say ruach too much around people. So, uh, but it's a great word. You kind of got to clear your throat when you say it. Uh, and the word uh, means, uh, in Hebrew, ruach, we translate it in English, uh, into spirit, or also breath, or also wind, which we'll look at in a little bit. But here we see the spirit hovering over the waters, and, and that word hovering, uh, it's not used very often in the Hebrew language, but almost every time it is used, it's associated with birds in flight, which I'm particularly in favor of because I like birds because I'm weird like that. Uh, but uh, so here's the spirit hovering like a dove over this chaotic emptiness, formless, like there's nothing going on. It talks about the ocean and there being darkness over the sea. Uh, and really like for the Hebrew people, the ancient Hebrew people, uh, the sea and the ocean is a metaphor for chaos. And because, you know, it's an untamable thing. Like if you've ever seen huge waves crashing against the rocks or, or, or um, the, just the beasts that live down in the ocean, it, it was a, a great metaphor for chaos in the world. And, and there's this great Hebrew word, tohu wabohu, or tohu vavohu, I've heard it said different ways, um, that refers to, it's this word for the formlessness and the emptiness that existed before God's Spirit hovered over the waters. But then when God's Spirit comes, it begins to form this void, this emptiness. It's kind of like that tub of connects before it had been put together. As the Spirit spends time in that tub of connects, it's like things begin to take shape. And we see this, we're familiar with the story of God speaking. And when you speak, you breathe and things start to come to life. So God says, let there be light. And there's light. God speaks and there's sky. God speaks and there's land and seas and vegetation. God speaks and there's the sun and the moon and the stars. God speaks. And then the fish fill the seas and the birds fill the air. God speaks and all the little creepy crawly things that crawl across the earth are created. The, the, the land animals and, and human beings too. And God steps back and 
he looks at his creation that he's made and he says, it's good. He says, it's very good. We see God's spirit hovering over the chaos and bringing life and order and beauty out of the midst of it all. So that's one of the ways we see God's ruach at work in his creation. Um, we also see that this word ruach can be translated as breath. Uh, look at Genesis 2 verse 7. It says, then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils. And the man became a living person. And so God places his spirit, his breath in living things. When God breathes on stuff, when the air, uh, the wind of uh, God's breath is in our nostrils, it's like we come to life. The Hebrew people were very aware of how breath leads to life. Uh, here's a great example. In Job 34, verses 14 through 15, he says, If God were to take back his spirit and withdraw his breath, all of life would cease, and humanity would turn again into dust. Again, this picture of when God's breath is present, we live, but when God's breath is no longer there, we die. Uh, if you've ever been present when a child was born, you saw them take their first breath. And, and then as long as they had breath in their lungs throughout their whole life, they're alive. And if you've ever been present when you've had a loved one pass away and you saw them take their last breath, like I got to do with my grandpa, the pulse stops, the, the color drains from them, their, their body just becomes lifeless because there's no more breath in their lungs. Like we human beings are so aware of how important breath is and God's breath that is when it's in us, when God's ruach is in us, we have life, we're sustained, but when it's taken, it's no longer there. And, and that's why it's scary when we lose our breath. Um, my brother and I, when we were younger, we used to fold each other up into the hide-a-bed. And I remember like for the first few seconds, it was fine, but then you'd kind of start to panic a little bit because you couldn't breathe and you'd say, okay, okay, open it. And then he'd open it up and you could breathe again. Or, or COVID right now, one, one of the things that can be scary about the COVID symptoms is that uh, it, it can affect our lungs and people have to be on a respirator uh, to breathe for them. Breath is so much a part of life and when it's not there, we don't live. Uh, and I also mentioned that that word ruach can also mean wind, all right? Uh, we see wind all throughout the Old Testament and, and like a good example of, of God's ruach, his wind uh, coming is that, uh, you know, when the east wind came and, and a part of the waters of the Red Sea during the Exodus story and, and the people were able to go free on dry land. It's when God's ruach is present, it, it creates life. It creates opportunities. Um, and so that's one of the ways that we see God's spirit at work in the Old Testament. We also see God's spirit at work in unique ways with particular people and times and places and purposes. Um, you know, in the New Testament, as we'll see in the weeks to come, God pours out his spirit on, on all sorts of people. And, and you can live a good long life in, in step with God's spirit. But in the Old Testament, it didn't really work that way. God, God would designate, he would place his spirit upon certain people for a certain time. And the first person that we see filled with God's spirit is Joseph. You know, he's able to interpret Pharaoh's dreams and even Pharaoh himself uh, acknowledges that he's filled with the spirit of God. 
Um, or we see the Spirit of God coming on Samson, one of the judges, and, and he's got this superhuman strength because of that. Um, we also see the power or, or the, uh, the presence or the absence of God's Spirit in the story of King Saul and King David. Uh, so when Saul is chosen and he's anointed to be king over Israel, uh, you get the sense that God's Spirit is present with him. But then later on, God decides that he wants David to be king. And listen to what it says here. It says, And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. And right after that, it says, Now the Spirit of the Lord had left Saul, and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. And so when God's uh, spirit is present upon a certain leader, uh, that leader all of a sudden is able to um, have these leadership qualities and abilities that bring life to everybody else. But when that spirit is taken away, depression and fear, things begin to fall apart. We could talk about, was that right for God to do that, whatever. That's a whole other sermon. Uh, but, but the Spirit brings life. And David was very well aware of that. When he sinned with Bathsheba and things began to fall apart with his whole kingdom, uh, in the Psalms, he talked about this. He saw what had happened to Saul, and he was afraid that this might happen to him too. Because in Psalm 51, verse 11, it says, David says, Do not banish me from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. David knew that when the spirit was taken away from a leader, um, you weren't a great leader anymore. There wasn't much left for you. Life was taken away from you. We also see that the, the prophets received God's spirit in a special way. Uh, you know, he, uh, God would have a word to speak to his people, Israel. And, and he would call them back to their covenant faithfulness. He, he would warn them when they were becoming idolatrous and violent and corrupt. And he would call them back to the life that he created them for. Uh, and so we see the Spirit working in individual people uh, all throughout the Old Testament. But then the Spirit would be taken from them too. Um, so it wasn't something that was just given to all of Israel. And we see the results of that. Uh, Israel fails to live up to their side of the covenant, their side of their relationship with God as, as his special people. But, but the prophets also testified to a day where this wouldn't always be the case. So if you take a look at the prophet Joel, one of the best prophets in the whole Old Testament, he says this. Uh, God says this through Joel. He says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. That the prophets look forward to a day where this wouldn't just be something that individuals get to experience, but that God was going to pour out his spirit on all people, even on people that were unlikely. And I think we see this especially in a beautiful way in Ezekiel chapter 37. I'm just going to read the whole thing. It's, it's uh, verses 1 through, what is it, uh, 14. It's a beautiful passage. It's a familiar passage. Um, but listen to how much uh, spirit and breath and wind, ruach, are present here and how it takes death and leads it to life. The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit, 
Ruach of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones come living people again? O sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put my breath, my ruach, into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message, just as he told me. Suddenly, as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then I watched muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies. But there still had been no breath in them. Then he said to me, Speak a prophetic message to the winds, Ruach, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, We have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore prophesy to them and say, This is what the sovereign Lord says. O my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, O my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit, my ruach, in you. And you will live again and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. And I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. And here we go. We see the spirit at work even among the unfaithful Israelites here. Uh, and so... Uh, we see that, that, that it seems hopeless that Israel is lost, that they're in exile, but God speaks of a day when he would pour out his spirit and bring life to them. And, and that's a great way to leave us in the Old Testament and look forward to uh, God pouring out his spirit, God fulfilling those promises, as we'll see in the New Testament from uh, the uh, next couple of weeks coming up here. Um, so that's just a little crash course of the spirit in the Old Testament. Uh, and I think that there's some practical things that we can take from all of this. Uh, one thing is this, that, you know, we live in a very secular uh, world that just kind of like looks at the world purely from, um, you know, like a scientific standpoint. And I'm not bashing science, okay? I'm just saying sometimes we tend to look at the world and look at people and think, oh, they're just chemicals, you know? It's just atoms, it's just uh, neutrons, it's just uh, electrons, whatever, uh, molecules that make up our bodies and this sort of thing. Uh, but I think that that ancient Hebrew way of understanding God's spirit, his breath bringing life to all creation is something uh, really beautiful. 
uh, that God's spirit is present in all things. And that's not to be like pantheism. Uh, pantheism is kind of a more Eastern way of looking at, at the world, that everything is God. Like that squirrel that you saw was God. Um, this fly that's been flying around, maybe you've seen it in the camera, is God. Uh, that, that I am God, that you are God. Um, we're not talking like that, but we're, we're separate from God, and yet we're very intimately connected with God, um, that he is the source of our being, and he's the source of our sustenance, that, that his ruach fills us and gives us life. And I think that just gives us such a, a more enchanted view of the world. Um, as I was even preparing this message and, and I was doing some research for this, I, I'm, I'm looking around and thinking, man, you know, that that morning dove on the fence over there as the water from the sprinkler that I put out because the grass is so dead, you know, like it's almost like the ruach is almost out of it. Um, but it's bringing life here and watering the ground and, and this dove is enjoying being in the water and, and, and it's just... I, I encourage all of you to look at the world more that way, to, to see the world as enchanted with God's spirit and his breath, that, that it's all a gift. You know, we didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. It's just uh, he, he loves us and he gives us life, his breath, his ruach, his present and everything. I, I just find that when you look at the world that way, um, we see the presence of God, even in the ordinary mundane things. And, and the greens become a bit greener, that the purples are a little bit more purple. And if you can smell, maybe smell is enhanced and everything. Uh, it's it just that the world is far more beautiful than we tend to think. And I think that ancient Hebrew way of looking at it can be really helpful for us. Another thing that I think is significant is that this whole concept of the tohu wabohu. Uh, we live in a chaotic, formless, violent world. It's kind of like that tub of connects. It's just out of joint and it's messed up. Uh, but we also worship a God uh, who hovers over the waters of this tohu wabohu and begins to bring life out of it. All hope is not lost. Uh, with the spirit of God that's present in our lives. And I, I think that's something for us to be thinking about as well. Like, where is your life, tohu wabohu? Where, where does it seem empty and chaotic and formless and void? And where do you see evidence of the spirit hovering over the waters, of the spirit bringing life out of the midst of that? Because this is the God who we worship. This is how he encounters us. And that's why it's significant that we are celebrating communion today, too. Uh, if you've got your communion elements there at home, uh, I encourage you to take them out now and, uh, and we'll partake in that together. Uh, but communion is a place where God communes with us, where God personally enters into our broken and violent world. And he gives of his own life. He allows his flesh to be torn and his blood to be poured out for us so that we can have life too. Um, he comes into our tohu abohu world and, and he brings order and life out of the midst of it where, where human beings are not banished from God's presence uh, and, and his spirit taken from us as David was afraid, uh, but that God makes his presence available to us. He comes to us through Jesus Christ and by the power of his Holy Spirit. And he brings restoration and healing relationships, and healing relationships with him and healed relationships uh, with one another too, with all the people that are gathered here at the table. Uh, that, that this is the, the tohu wabohu world that we live in and God is bringing 
life and order out of it as he welcomes us into fellowship, not only with himself, uh, but with our other broken relationships with human beings. This is what we celebrate at communion. And so thank you, God, for your Holy Spirit that brings order and life into the midst of our chaos. So during this time, uh, there's going to be a worship song, and I just invite you during that to uh, be reflecting on that. Uh, where do you see God at work bringing life into the brokenness of our world? I thought I'd leave us with um, the very last psalm of the book of Psalms, Psalm 150. Uh, and just listen to these beautiful words. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heaven. Praise him for his mighty works. Praise his unequaled greatness. Praise him with a blast from the ram's horn. Praise him with the lyre and the harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with strings and flutes. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with the loud clanging of cymbals. Let everything that has breath, ruach, sing praises to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Go in peace and serve the Lord. God bless you all. Thanks for tuning in to the Point Us to Serve podcast series. For more information about pursuing a relationship with Jesus or the Point Us to Serve ministry, please visit our website at thepointustoserve.org. Thank you and God bless.